0: I'm Elizabeth Burton, and this is Nashville. This is Nashville is a show by community for community. So in the first week of 2024, naturally, we're here to talk about me. I'm one of the producers on the show, which means once or twice a week, I'm semi-responsible for what you hear on air from 12 to 1 p.m. There have been episodes I've been assigned to produce that I admittedly knew nothing about, like the Citizen Nashville episode on zoning, but there have been episodes that I also got to dive into topics that I was really passionate about, like the cost of care for people with disabilities. We'll focus a little more on the latter today. The first thing you should know about me is that I love to spend money, and this really is not a good habit for someone who works in an entry-level position at a public radio station, but I digress. One of my favorite money pit hobbies is knitting. I'm not very good at it, but there's something about holding a scarf or a sweater in your hands that I made. In September, I set out to find out more about our local yarn shops and where they get their yarn.
1: Okay. Oh, they got this Halloween stuff.
0: Oh. The yarn stash. Everyone who knits, crochets, weaves, or spins has one. And the more serious you are about your craft or your hobby, the more it matters to you what kind of yarn you have in your stash. So where do you get the good stuff? Who is this right here? That's Asia. Asia. Now she's kind of giving us a look, it's like, don't come any closer. (laughs) Like, it's like, like you stay away. We're at Hickory Bluff Farms with Ruth Fuquay, who owns and operates an alpaca farm with her husband, Bill. Located in Mount Juliet. Well, I'm just like kind of really taken aback by how many alpacas are here because I thought there were going to be like five. No, <laughs> but there are quite a few more than five. There are
2: two barns. Um, this is our first barn here, mm-hmm. and there's 16 here, and then at the second barn there are 15 down there.
0: Okay, little alpacas. This little brown guy is trying to say, "Hey, who is That's this?" Annie. Annie. Yeah. Hey girl. That's um Stella. Hey Stella. And that's
2: I have to think. Susie. Hey girl. Then behind Stella is Serena, who's Susie's daughter. Behind her is Alyssa. And then behind
0: her is Maybelle. These alpacas are clearly beloved members of the family, and it's just an added bonus that their fiber helps run Hickory Bluff Farm's small business. So how does fiber become yarn? Ruth is here to let us know. When it comes off the animal,
2: it comes off as one alpaca at a time. So that's segregated by animal. Then I'll sort it, sort through that, and take out whatever grass or hay or whatever is in
0: that. Clean it, but not wash it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, how do we get from alpaca to, like, <laughs> green, striped, self-striping, <laughs> like, yellow and everything? Like, because these guys are not. These hands. Wow. Ruth told us that each year, she ends up with about 200 pounds of fiber. And she took us inside to see this spring's harvest. Like, It's just right off the animal.
1: Wow. Like, can I touch it?
0: Mm-hmm. Once the fiber has been processed into yarn, it's gotta go somewhere. Hickory Bluff is one of four local farms that supplies yarn to Sunshine Weaving and Fiber Arts located in Lebanon.
3: This is your outside trade. Bring it back up to the top position then. My name is Cynthia Rice and I own
4: Sunshine Weaving and Fiber Arts. Going over, Once the yarn going hits sunshine over. shelves, it
0: needs to be mm-hmm. sold, See and there are a under, lot of options available for how on you on might use your all new all yarn. All I'm coming they on. have a I'm diverse range of classes, including a weaving class that was going on while I was talking with Cindy. Yeah, just those. just this, just, just, just this, it's messed up. Right, right, you don't have to do the whole And thing. they do things like knitting, crocheting, spitting, so, um, belting, and even tatting.
3: just using a little bitty device called a shuttle, and it... You use it to make little knots, and you can make lace and all kinds of beautiful, lacy items. You talk about a lost art. Nobody tats
0: anymore. Mm -mm, I I haven't even heard of that. And if you don't want to pick up tatting, there's still lots of options for you in your brand new, locally sourced yarn. Most of our shops offer classes for everyone, from the beginner who's never even held a needle to the advanced artist who's been at it since they could walk. And once you get a little bit more comfortable with your craft, you might want to check out many of the groups here in Middle Tennessee dedicated to the love of fiber arts.
3: All right, here we go. Cheers to knitting. Wow, that is impressive.
0: Cheers. Out your way. That was Wayne and Jay Haas. They gather once a month at Sky King Pizza in Kingston Springs for you and company's monthly pizza party slash yarn night. It's a great opportunity for the community to come together and admire each other's latest work.
3: This is a shawl, it's called Lava Lake, it's a... This is probably my favorite
0: group. So you've got your friends, you've got your yarn, you've got many places to shop local, you have instructors, you've got a community now, all because of some alpacas. And the only thing that you need now is to develop a minor spending problem. Then you'll be a real fiber artist. I am at a house of yarn, I'm about to walk in. I estimate that I will spend in here. Okay. I don't have to get anything, though. That's the thing. It's a powerful lesson that I have yet to learn. Okay. Okay, I see one thing that I definitely want. No, I kind of, I like this other one more, though, but I think it's going to be so blue. It's something that costs $4. I'm too pretty to do math. Okay, I came in under budget. I'm really proud of myself. Y'all, those alpacas were a trip. I'm a major dog person, so I'm used to over-the-top, excitable animals in my face. And alpacas, they just don't want to be bothered. They were really not too sure about me and my fellow producer Magnolia McKay, even though we were there for over an hour. But I will say, after seeing all that hard work that goes into making yarn, I definitely walked away with a new appreciation for the higher price point of locally sourced and dyed materials. Here's a little bit more of our host Khalil's conversation with guest Rin M.O., Deb Peterson, and Erica Hundley.
5: Now, you all own yarn shops. I have to ask you, how much yarn is currently in your inventory at the moment? Deb, I saw your face. Oh. How much yarn do you have <laughs> right now?
4: Oh, wow. Um, I, I, only, I only know it in my head as a dollar amount. So okay. I I could say our shop is 1450 square feet and so we have cabinets that are with cubbies that are full and then we have slat walls with lots of stuff is hanging. And so with the indie dyer community as big as it is and carrying a lot of that you want to we wanted to present it in a way that you could see the entire skein. If you put a skein inside a cubby, all you really see is the end of the skein. And so with the indie dyed things there can be multiple colors in there. And so we started hanging it on slat wall and then you can see the entire skein. But we um we have a lot of yarn in, in the store, <laughs> but I you know, I have no idea. I can't tell you how many skeins or, you know, anything like that.
5: What are your biggest sellers?
4: Um our big, our number one selling yarn right now has been has been this way for a while now is an indie dyer from Jackson, Tennessee. It's called Big Sky. Uh, yarn company and Cassie Parsons is the dyer and people often ask me, they're like, she lives in Jackson, Tennessee, but it's called Big Sky. And the story there quickly is that she, her family moved to Montana. They moved to Montana. They f- missed the com- their community in Jackson. They came back. She had already created a name for herself with Big Sky. And so she kept it. I mean, mm-hmm. we could have Big Sky everywhere, right? Yeah. In the world. <laughs> So we have a DK from her. It's called Squish DK, and it is a 100% superwash merino. That is our number one selling yarn. We sell lots of um, Malabrigo, which comes from Uruguay, and those are kettle dyed. Those are variegated and then semi-solids. We carry uh, a lot of... A, a, another one we do a lot of business with is is Blue Sky Fibers, which is in Minnesota. And we carry uh, Woolstock, which is a line from them, uh, of um, non superwash wools, and that's kind of the trend now. Uh, what, what's
5: the difference between superwashed and non superwashed Is so it, is it in in the texture of it?
4: It's in the care of it, and it can be in the texture as well. Superwash yarn has been treated so that you could machine wash it, maybe at a gentle cycle, cold. Even the labels now, though, say they don't. Rec- even though it says superwash, they don't recommend washing it in the machine. Mm. They do still say hand wash. What the trend is right now is uh, we're going, we're selling a lot more non-superwash, which means you'd have to hand wash it or dry clean it. Of course, we always recommend a hand wash. When you make a garment with something that's non-superwash, it tends to hold its shape a little bit better.
5: Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you mentioned something, you mentioned indie dyers. And Rin, you are a dyer, right? An independent dyer.
6: I am an independent dyer.
5: Okay. So I really hear that it's not easy to do at all what what what's what's your method how how do you get it done explain the process for us
6: sure well I guess um first I'll say that I am a particular kind of indie dyer I'm a natural dyer so I only use materials that are um uh extracts or whole plant materials from from plants um and sometimes bugs um hmm. and a couple of other things but um So I only really know that kind of dyeing. There are a lot of different kinds of ways to dye, and there are a lot of different um, methods and materials that can be used to dye. Um, But I got started with natural dyeing. Um, And the reason I started with that is because I'm also a gardener, and I have been for a long time. And so um, when I wanted to try to learn to dye, because I really loved wool and yarn and knitting, and I kind of wanted to make my own colors, I it wasn't even really a question. I was like, oh, I'll try this. I'll try this natural dyeing thing. Um, And it was definitely a learning curve. It was very difficult at the beginning um, to learn how to prepare the yarn, how to, um, what kind of um, concentration to use some of the different preparations and the dyes. And, um, you know, I learned a lot from books. I learned a lot just by doing it. And I'm still learning now. I've been doing it four years now. And um, yeah, I still am learning how to do it. You
5: you said something interesting. You mentioned that you use plants Mm -hmm. for dyes, but also bugs. Explain that to us. Is Um, that where you get like (laughs) that, that, that cricket green from?
6: No, it's not cricket green, but there, there is actually a historical dye, Um, uh, so there's a couple of different bug things that can be used in natural dye that have been used for centuries, thousands of years. Um, cochineal, um, is one of the ones that's most well known. It's also known, um, just in the world generally as car, carmine red. I think, I don't know exactly how to pronounce that. I Mm. think it's carmine, carmine red. Um, and it's used in as a food dye, It's used. Um, it can be used a, a couple of different ways, but um, it can also be used uh, to dye fiber, and it has been for a really long time.
5: Wow. Now, now Erica, the weather is getting cold, mm-hmm. so I imagine this is the busy season. You just opened your shop earlier this year.
7: That's right.
5: How much yarn are you expecting to sell <laughs> this time of year?
7: I don't even know how to estimate, and like Deb, I don't know how to estimate how much I have, but I will say um, I have a smaller inventory um, than Bliss Yarns has a wonderful inventory. I My shop is in a small converted house, um, mm-hmm. so I opened in April. I signed the lease in March, opened in April, um, so I have a small, I like to say cozy shop, and I knew starting out... Um, that I wanted to carry hand dyers and started looking at different dyers and different vendors of, of where I wanted, um, who I wanted to stock. And whenever I rented the space that had a full kitchen, um, that's when I decided I had the opportunity to also try my hand at hand dyeing. And so I've been doing that, and that has turned into... Um, a little bit of what makes my shop a niche and and set apart. There's only a handful of shops in the whole surrounding area, but I knew that I needed to do something a little bit different. And um, so uh, I have my own hand dyed yarn that I sell and feature that as well as um, some other um, vendors as well.
5: Oh, wow. Dev is pointing at some of your work, uh, and it's really, I love that red. It's deep. It's beautiful, like a beet red almost. Now, question for you. Do you do natural dyeing like Rin?
7: I don't. Um, so I use acid dyes, and um, as Rin said, I also learned from a book. I got a book and just learned, um, I think it's literally how to dye yarn and fiber. Um, so I did a lot of uh, learning from that, found a few videos and a lot of trial and error, like she said. So, um, I had an art background. Um, and like I said, I've dabbled in all kinds of arts and crafts and I tie dyed. So I kind of had a skill set that I thought might translate. And so I was able to do that. And so I started dying about that time in March. Um, whenever I, I got the space.
5: Now, now tell me a little bit more about modus operandi. what, you you special, specialize in dyeing your own colors for yarn. What's your most po- most popular color?
6: Uh, Deb was just asking me this earlier. And, you know, it kind of changes year to year. Um, but it is always, almost always some shade of red or pink. Mm. That's, that's been the typical ones. And there's a lot of different ways you can get red and pink with natural dyes. And that's been one of the most fun things for me is just to, like, explore with the different dye combinations, with different methods to come up with new New shades of the same color
5: now, now now deb erica mentioned that she's a small shop but and there's a few in the area but from what i understand it's a community that um, happens yes. with the shops and and the fiber arts and the, the owners of these businesses that's really not common for competitors to help each other what sets the yarn and fiber community different
4: i definitely i'm glad you said that because we we are a community and all of us know each other, love and respect each other. And so especially during the pandemic, when we had shut down and we had limited time, we couldn't have customers in the store. um, You know, it was a scary time for for everyone in the world, but it was was especially scary for someone who owns a small business. And so that's when we all really kind of pulled together. And so uh, I had... Meg, who owns the House of Yarn, and then Glenna, who owns the Ewan Company, which is in Kingston Springs, they reached out to me, and the three of us did several collaborations where we did what we called a three-shop shawl. Hmm. So it was a shawl that required three skeins of like worsted weight yarn. Just that's just a particular weight of size of yarn, and you grabbed a skein from each of our stores to create it. And so we ourselves each created one that we had in our store and we promoted it and like released it and put it out on social media in our in our newsletters as well and we had people um just reaching out to us and saying this is so incredible that you guys are putting your you know your friendships and your businesses you know in in, in the forefront and we we do help each other out a lot
0: we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll revisit some of the show's coverage of last year's SAG-AFTRA and WGA strikes. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at ThisIsNashville. We'll be right back. This week you're hearing from the tin producing team about what our favorite episodes of 2023 were i only joined the team in may so it feels a little bit silly to be doing a best of but hey this was the assignment before the break we listen back to my feature on local yarn and the fiber arts community now we'll talk with carla Cristina contreras who is the president of the sag-aftra nashville local we met last august at one of the rallies that they hosted in support of the Actors strike. Here's a little from one of my first conversations with her about her time on the sag after a National Negotiating Committee.
3: So I went to Los Angeles. I didn't even know I was going to get to go to Los Angeles. In fact, I didn't even know I was going to have a voice in this. You know, I get this email that says, you've been approved to go to Los Angeles. And I'm like, what? Okay. And it was really very fascinating to try and get Information about this situation because nobody really could tell me anything. And then I had one of the main chair people say to me, he said, I'm just booking a one-way ticket. And I went, oh, okay, all right, then I'll book a one-way ticket. And that's what I did. And so walking into the room the very first day, picking my place to sit in our caucus room, Who knew I put myself all the way at the back of the room? But it turned out to be like the best place to sit because I could literally see everybody in the room on our side. Then we would cross the atrium or the big, you know, it's a big open space inside the AMPTP building. And we'd cross over into a conference room that had the longest table you've ever seen in your life. I felt like I was walking into an episode of Succession. So there I was, sitting right across from Warner Brothers, Disney, Universal, HBO, ABC, NBC, CBS, Amazon, Netflix, Sony, you name it. I was looking at them. Actors and performers, we're lucky if we can book a job. I mean, I can do 50 auditions, and maybe I'll book one, maybe I'll book more than one or maybe I'll book none. And so in order for us to qualify for our health insurance benefits, we have to earn $26,470 to qualify. How many people currently are not qualifying approximately for that? It It is almost 87%. There should actually be a laugh track going while you're asking <laughs> this question, because if you figure that almost 87% of our membership can't make $26,470 and the ones who are the celebrities who are making millions and millions that is less than 1% of our membership how would you describe SAG-AFTRA's general position right now our general position is we're standing our ground and there are particular items that we will not we won't budge on I don't see how we get I really don't
0: so after we had this conversation we left our little quiet soundproof room to go out into the crowd gathered for the rally and it was a little bit more lively now i'll be honest one of the hardest parts of this job is going to cover big events like this lots of people in noise i'm fumbling with all this audio gear that i barely know how to use i'm trying to remember the name of someone i've now met at five different events somehow the mayor is there and i'm also trying to get sound for the show it's a lot for someone who's already a little prone to social anxiety Hey, but I made it through, and I even came up with something to share with y'all. Sag after strong! Sag after strong! Sag after strong! A bunch of actors and musical theater kids Sad chanting in a parking strong. lot is the stuff of nightmares for most people. But not for our local SAG-AFTRA members. It's Tuesday, August 15th, the 106th day of the Writers Guild of America strike and the 30th day of the Screen Actors Guild strike. About 100 local union members and supporters are standing in the back lot of the Nashville SAG-AFTRA chapter building. The picket signs are just about the only shade we have. Some examples, SAG-AFTRA on strike, living wage, no AI, SAG-AFTRA strong. Even though we're Music City, the actors are here to make their voices heard.
8: Oh man, this is a good crowd. Way to show up!
4: Way to show out, Nashville!
0: That's Mike Montgomery, outgoing president of Nashville SAG After local.
4: Sag-Aftra. Way to show out AFM! Way to show out IOTC! We got three unions here today. Welcome to the SAG AFTRA Nashville Concert for Solidarity! This is
0: the first time in 60 years that both unions have decided to strike at the same time. And that speaks to how concerned they are about the current state of the industry. Dwight Turner says he hopes that the studios will negotiate.
4: My actor side is here supporting
0: SAG-AFTRA, because I feel that it's the right time, it is very
2: important, and I do believe that with the combined WGA and sag a strike, that the studios will eventually have to come back to the table, and they're going to need to make
6: some good decisions. And if they can't make some good decisions, then they need to get some people who can.
0: The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, or AMPTP for short, has struggled to find common ground with the actors and the writers, but the crowd here is braving the heat to let them know the pressure's on. But it's not just industry people. There are leaders and elected officials here too. And there's a palpable shift in energy when Metro Council member and mayoral candidate Freddie O'Connell arrives.
5: Seeing how much this strike matters to people in Nashville, we know that
6: we have members right here on the ground in Nashville, uh, but we know this resonates across the entire country. We know that when people stand together, uh, they earn fair
5: wages, good wages, and benefits that support working families, which we know...
0: The issues at stake here are pretty serious, like better pay and job security in the face of AI. But there's also laughter in and it's pretty clear that the people here in Nashville are here to stick this thing out as long as they need to. And they really did stick to the union. The strikes have now ended, and everything is back to the way it should be in Hollywood. Both WGA and sag After reached deals, and production is back up and running and we get Abbott Elementary back next month. It looks like the main drama of it all is over, but we'll still be keeping an eye on what's going on with TV and film in Nashville as the industry grows. We're gonna take another break. After the break, we'll revisit one of our more controversial episodes from last year, because apparently I love getting angry calls from y'all. Join the conversation on Twitter at This Is Nashville. Stay tuned. Today, we're talking all about me. Well, technically, we're talking about my favorite episodes that I produced of This is Nashville, but honestly, what's the difference between me and my work at this point? This next episode, it really needs no introduction. I'm just going to hit play.
5: Hold on. Hold on. We, Hold on. Laura, we have a phone
0: call? A f- we're not taking calls. To- we, we don't have time. We're not taking calls today.
5: No, no. call. I know, the, but the control room is saying this is really, really urgent. Let Let's patch the call through. Hello, caller. This is Khalil from This Is Nashville. What's your comment?
8: Are you okay? Hey, man. Khalil. Yo. Hey, man, I need your help, man. Is this part of the show? Big fella? I don't know what's going on, man. It's crazy, man. W- what? Hold on. Oh, so, man, slow it's down. it's crazy, man. It's S- slow crazy. down. Yo,
5: big fella. Big fella. Big fella. Slow down. What? No,
8: no, no. I'm caught up, he man.
0: Bra- he's breaking up.
8: No, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm caught up. I'm scared. Khalil. No, nah, no, nah, this is emergency. This is emergency. Oh.
0: I mean, Wait, I think I, he, he's being. Whoa, hold on I,
8: now. I need you to help me, man. I need you to help me out. It ain't my. Hold on, ain't no time. Right, oh, I'm, I'm at. I'm at, oh, I He serious. said I got another day. Ah, get your hand on my
0: pocket. Uh, big fella? Are you. Is he there? What happened? What? Did we drop the car? Can we get him back up?
5: We're, we're going to have to we're, find we're, him.
0: We are in the middle of the show though, and we're we're live. We can't just l- leave
5: yeah, yeah. No, look the people will understand. I mean cuz look what is Nashville without big fella?
0: I mean you got Broadway country music tall and skinnies. you got brunch options look, you got
5: Elizabeth this is the moment we've been training for
0: Action team go We need a better name When
1: danger presents itself and calamity is near, there is one brave group in Middle Tennessee that gets the job done. The This Is Nashville Action Team. If things look and sound sus, they are the only ones who can get to the bottom of the matter. Deep below Nashville Public Radio's headquarters is a secret chamber. Where the This Is Nashville Action Team trains. Equipped with the latest listener funded technology, the This Is Nashville Action Team is ready to handle any job. So, that
0: was the very beginning of our Halloween episode. And I really encourage you to listen to the rest. We heard from so many people around Nashville, including Judge Sheila Calloway, former Mayor Megan Barry, the unofficial mayor, Big Fella, diversely segregated host Jerome Moore, and so many more. It was the first time that the show had ever done a sketch or anything satirical like this, so it certainly wasn't perfect. But I loved the final product, and I loved making it. We got a lot of positive feedback from listeners, especially about this little bit.
1: Meanwhile, back at Action Team headquarters, Ally Division...
3: Metro Police Department, North Precinct. How may I help you?
1: Hi, I'm an ally, and I want to report a missing person.
3: Uh, what's the name of the person you're looking for?
1: Okay, so his name is Big Fellow. That's B I G F E. Ma'am,
3: excuse me,
8: ma'am. Yes. Um, I need his legal name, not not his nickname.
1: Well, I don't have his legal name. As far as I know, his legal name is Big Fellow. Okay, so that's B I G. F-E-L-L-O-W, two L's in fella, no apostrophes, as far as I know.
3: Um, uh, do you have a description of big fellow?
1: Yeah, well, so he's big and he's a fellow.
3: I mean, how tall is he? What, what's his ethnicity? His age?
1: Oh, yeah, right. Okay, so, well, I'm an ally, so he is African-American.
3: Okay, well, how old is he?
1: Well, let me restate that. He is a great king with a strong foundation of melanin. Did you know that melanin helps to protect the cells of the epidermis or outer layer of the skin from UV light? So he can get all the glorious sunlight he wants. I know this because I'm an ally. Okay,
3: where was he last seen?
1: I'm not sure of that, but as an ally, I'm trusting that you'll spare no resources in searching for our friend, Big Fellow.
3: We can't promise
6: anything, but we'll do our best, uh, okay, ma'am?
1: I'm sure you will, because you're an ally too, right? Um. Say it with me, okay? Um, Come on, I'm, I'm, and, and, ally, ally,
0: ally. It's not that hard. Now you're an ally, too. The feedback for this episode was pretty wide-ranging, so we decided to all sit down and talk about it.
5: We have got Jennifer in North Nashville. Jennifer, welcome to This Is Nashville. How's it going? Thanks,
2: Khalil.
5: How are you? I'm well. How about yourself? We're doing okay. We're doing okay. All right. What What is your comment? What would you like to share uh, with us?
2: I've been upset with... Y'all, for for a while. Well, the the thing about the Halloween episode was that I thought it was amateurish, and I thought that the places that you chose for the scariest places for black folks, uh, that's horrible. It was it was racist. It was it it was horrible. That you know you, where, where can you go? Well, let's go to the jail. Well, let's go to the courthouse. You know that that shows no depth of who Black Nashville is. You think all Black people are 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 afraid to go down to the police station, are afraid to go to the jail, are afraid to go to the courthouse? I don't think that's true, and I think you know it continues the uh, you know the prejudice and the horror that is. perpetrated on black mashup you you expect that those are the places that black people will be afraid you know black people are going to be afraid at places where all people are afraid to be uh, i just thought it was racist and bad
5: i i hear, understand and again thank you for those comments i will let you know when we before we set out to visit one location we asked about I I myself asked about fifteen black people. How many did you ask? I those asked, of this?
0: Fifteen twenty. I asked some white people too. Yeah,
5: and the first the, the the one the only common two places that everyone said black folks should be afraid of is the jail and the courthouse. And the courthouse. We really appreciate your comments, Jennifer. Hopefully you will continue to keep on listening with us. All right. So that kind of um th- that kind of brings up a, you know, a really good point. We had a lot of different comments about the episode. Emily Siner, former newsroom director of WPLN, she tweeted, I was like, tweeted, quote, I was like, what am I hearing on This Is Nashville? And the answer is either chaos or brilliance, maybe both. We we had a critical comment from a woman named Kelly. She lives here in Nashville, and this is a pretty long comment, but I think it's important that I read it all. She says, quote, hey guys, I had to turn off the Halloween episode a few moments ago. I'm pretty appalled. The topic of safety for black people in Nashville is way too serious to and heavy to be addressed with a play skit. It's also not well written or acted. This episode feels about as tone deaf as one can get, which doesn't make sense in the context of what the show has produced previously. This isn't a funny topic. This is coming across as a chance to blithely interview Nashville's leaders and figures about a serious subject. Safety is paramount to human existence. People telling you where they don't feel safe in this city isn't a joke. Jokes made by one of the guests interviewed, quote, just don't give a gift card to Hattie B's And the host's response really distasteful. If you want to produce an episode where you bring together the people making and serving hot chicken in Nashville for like an honestly heated discussion about cultural appropriation, do that.
0: Okay, I gotta jump in here. Here's the joke that Carlos made about Hattie B's.
5: We're gonna get to the bottom of this. My man, what's happening? Good to see you too. It's Carlos from Cashville. He's the secret source. How's it going, man?
8: Man, I'm doing all right. I'm I'm out here, you know, in East Nashville, East Nasty as they the, the hipsters like to say. <laughs> out east as the locals like to say. Yes, it is out east and
5: east nasty, all wrapped up in one. Now, I got that crazy tip from you that we're looking for Big Fella. Why are we here at this grocery store?
8: Murder Kroger is what they call it. Why do they call it that? It might have been
5: two murders. Who's counting? That's a lot of murders for one grocery store. Now, you're born and raised here, right? Yeah, born and raised right over there. To you, what is the scariest place in Nashville for black
8: people? The scariest place, I would have to say, driving down Dickinson Road with a taillight out. I think that's probably the scariest place to be in Nashville sometimes. Are you? That is
5: a very dangerous. Have you been training to prepare yourself in case the scaries come at you?
8: You gotta turn the blinker on, then you gotta turn your hazards on, pause a little bit, then you get back in the lane and you keep going. That's why you're the
5: secret source. Well, I'm gonna attempt to find Big Fella. I appreciate you, Carlos from Cashville. What should I be aware of as I continue on my quest to find Big Fella?
8: Just keep your eyes peeled. You never know who's watching, you never know who's looking. And I heard these hipsters can be very dangerous. They are. Trust me. They are.
5: Well Carlos, thank you very much for all this information. I don't know how we can repay you. Maybe we'll send you a gift certificate. That sounds good. Just make sure it's not at Hattie B's. Duly noted.
0: You're allowed to decide if you think our little dig at Hattie B's was funny or not. Honestly, it's not my favorite place to get hot chicken in town, but I know it's important to a lot of people. But anyway, hot chicken brings me to my second point. Kelly said she would like to hear an episode about hot chicken and cultural appropriation. We actually already did that on This Is Nashville over a year ago, and it was produced by WPLN reporter Paige Flager. And it was a really good episode. In case you missed it,
5: Nashville's own Caroline Randall-Williams is the host of Hungry for Answers, which premieres today on Discovery+. And she joins me now. Caroline, welcome to This is Nashville.
9: Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here with you in cyberspace.
5: (laughs) Oh, it's such a pleasure to have you with us. So You know, for the series, you set out to answer the question, who gets to cook black food? And the first episode is all about Nashville hot chicken. Let me just start by asking, how do you like your hot chicken?
9: Oh, my God. If I have things to do, I like it mild because the mild still got some kick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if I'm but, you know, if I'm if I'm in it for the evening, I will have the medium. If I'm feeling really adventurous and I have a bourbon, I will have the hot.
5: Okay. (laughs) Okay, I like your bravery right there. (laughs) Um, So you are a Nashville native. What surprised you as you dove into the history of hot chicken?
9: Well, you know, I think that what surprised me and brought me um, uh, a lot of insight and keeps me hungry for answers is really um, the, the amount of conversations that still need to be had about it. Because I grew up, you know, going to Prince's. My family—we've eaten there as long as I can remember. So the story of where hot chicken comes from—that's not news to me. I had the privilege of growing up black in Nashville, um, and uh, and eating well all around our city. Um, And I think that what surprised me was this: how how unknown the Prince's story is in some ways. How under uh, under fortified the the positive bridges are between what new new Nashvilleians think of as hot chicken and what the original story is. So that's what surprised me is how I took it for granted. I knew Prince's was the OG, Mm -hmm. you know, in my, in my family's narrative. And I was surprised at how few people know that story still.
5: Well, how did you approach telling the story of hot chicken in that first episode?
9: Well, I had the um, one, I had this amazing team. When you, when you come knocking uh, on people's doors with Viola Davis's name behind you, Mm-hmm. Uh, people, people tend to say yes, um, and you know I, I like to think of myself as a bridge builder and someone who invites people to tables to welcome tables, even if the conversations are complicated. So um, I just asked people to talk with me and told them that I promised I'd tell the truth, which is what I do. Um, and you know both of the gentlemen I interviewed in the uh, in the show were. That's what I want. I want people to be brave enough to come and have a hard conversation because it's still going to be a good one. And we're going to honor and respect each other on both sides of it. And I feel like both of those guys were came to the table to do that. And I was um, and I was grateful. And then, you know, being able to sit down with Miss Andre and honor her legacy by lifting it up and putting it at the front. um, That was really uh, powerful for me too
5: you know one of the things you ask in the trailer which we heard just just a few moments ago is who gets to become the ambassador of a dish so what's the answer to that
9: Mm, uh well so who gets to or or who should (laughs) Mm. um the i think you know who gets to is who has um the most traditional forms of capital socially and financially um and who should are the people who've ideas and blood and sweat and tears and story um, is being told through the food or through the art or through the sound. You know, we have this question in all sorts of elements of black culture. Um, It's that line between appropriation and appreciation that uh, America really struggles with that dance, I, I think.
0: Now, I certainly don't expect everyone to have listened to every single episode of This is Nashville. I definitely haven't. But it raises an interesting question for me. Why was a satirical sketch created by black people the wrong way to go about talking about anti-blackness? Why was a sit-down conversation that included white people the right way? Back to Kelly.
5: I'd be so curious to hear about that, but don't make it a joke. Um, She goes on to say, I'm a native to Nashville in my mid-40s. This show had such promise, but it struggles to find a pace, find a groove. For the time being, scripted skits like today's show are not a path forward. And then she ends with that she feels like she's been disappointed. Now, Elizabeth, you reached out to Kelly about her comments on the episode. Can you tell us a little bit about the conversation you've had with
2: her?
0: I did, it reminded me a lot of what we just heard from our caller, Jennifer. Um, So I was responding to Kelly from the This Is Nashville account, so I took a different tone than I would have taken if I had gotten that directly on my account, because, you know, directly representing the show is very different from what I'm able to say just personally out in the world. Mm-hmm. That being said, I basically just had thanked her for her response. Um, and I shared it with the rest of the team. And we were asking her if she wanted to come on the show to talk about it further. The next time I checked our DMs, she had left a really long, thoughtful message about how she had done some reflecting and thought that maybe it was not necessarily her place as a white woman to give this particular set of feedback to um, specifically me and you, Khalil, since we're both black. Um, I know y'all can't see us right now, but yeah, you can, very much you, so. we are, we yeah. are. That that's what, that's what I've been told, um, as well as the many other black Nashvilleians that we included in the piece. Um, and we went back and forth about whether she would like to be on the show. Um, I spoke to her on the phone, and then the, where we kind of ended things is that um, my take was she kind of went back to her original comments about not being happy with the tone of the show, that she didn't like it, um, and wanted to ensure that I knew her feedback was coming to me as an artist, giving critique and not as a white woman.
5: Hmm. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, <laughs> Khalil A. Colonna. At this moment, we're addressing the Halloween episode, and my guests are Willie Bigfella Sims and show producer Elizabeth Burton. Okay, so Bigfella, what's your honest reaction to... Kelly's comments and Jennifer's as well,
8: man. I, as a black man, certified, I'm, I'm black. I got a cup right now. Say, dope, black dad. I see it. <clears throat> as a black man, I would like to say thank you to both of them for being so concerned <laughs> about. I'm serious, man. and being concerned about like the safety of black people. It's nothing to, to play with. You know what I'm saying? I know that because I'm black, and I try mm-hmm. not to play with that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But this was, I just think it was just so hilarious. The show, I don't know, you mentioned a comment that somebody told you where they was like, huh, I think about how few times I get to hear black people talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, it was like a colleague's a, wife said that. Yeah. yeah, it was a black conversation. It was kind of like what uh, Sharonica was saying. She was like, it was untethered to whiteness. It was experiencing blackness in all forms. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the black guy didn't die in this one. And. I think we did that,
0: find you. We yeah, found you. For
8: sure, for sure. And I think that uh, it was really, really it's cool to have people concerned, but we were so used to being uh, scared in general mm-hmm. and nervous about life and somebody gonna come get you, beat you up, take your kids, something like that, that we gotta joke about it. Yeah. You know? I understand. That was it, the way to express it is in a laugh because if now, well if you get black people that are scared and angry. And then it's a whole nother tone. Will you still care and protect me then? That is an yeah. entirely different you know what I'm
5: saying? episode and conversation because you know there were so many people who were in this judge Sheila Calloway to Te- Tequila Johnson and Equity Alliance, comedian Josh Black, meteorologist Leland Statham, You we all heard former mayor mm-hmm. Megan Barry. We had Carlos Parti from Cashville, we had Myra Riley, the actress, as well as TV and podcast producer Jerome Moore. And to me, something that really kind of stood out was so many folks came in to be a part of this. Now, again, like I said, if this is your type of comedy, great. If it's not your type of comedy, that is fine. We took a chance. We tried something. We wanted to do something that was entertaining because not not always are African-Americans kind of worried about their safety. Um and if you listen, I don't want to give any spoiler alerts, but if you listen to that entire episode, no one could really identify a place in Nashville that felt dangerous to them. Granted, she's my sister. She's a little bit biased. She played it for her entire family. And my nieces, 13, 10 years old, said, it sounds like Nashville is a cool place for everybody to live. If you listen to it, that is a little bit of the underlying theme. Okay, we have a call coming up um, We have a call from Eloise in Belmont. Eloise, thank you so much for giving us a call. What's your comment?
2: Um, I just wanted to say how much I love your show. I listen to it almost every day while I work, while I drive for work. I work at a local nonprofit. And I love that y'all took a big swing with the Halloween episode. I thought, no, I'd rather have a show with personality and, and people who take risks. And I just think it was really cool what y'all did so um thank you for all the work y'all do i just really appreciate you know i hear on your show from members of the community that even i come into contact with so it's just really um i think y'all are a gem for nashville we
5: really appreciate that thank you so much for your comment eloise
0: if you're just tuning in i'm elizabeth burton and i'm reviewing my favorite episodes of this is nashville from 2023 Right now, we're talking about the infamous Halloween episode and our subsequent call-in at us show. Since we're on the radio and not television, I feel like it can be kind of hard for listeners to get a true feel of how guests or even Khalil react sometimes to what's being said. I'll try to paint a picture of what it was like being in the room with Bigfella and Khalil that day. When we first got the call from Jennifer, Bigfella and I were just staring at each other. He kept mouthing to me, Is this real? Is this a real call? And I was glancing around the control room, trying to figure out what I would say in response to her. Khalilah handled most of it, but I gotta say, my heart was racing. I'll be honest with y'all. I felt really angry. I wasn't angry about being criticized. I was angry that I couldn't respond to the critique how I wanted to in that moment. I was frustrated that I had to sit there and sift through the millions of thoughts in my head to come up with a response that was not only professional because I'm at work, but also a response that wouldn't come off as defensive hostile accusatory or even racist this is what I ended up saying well another thing that's really interesting to me about some of this commentary you know we shouldn't have talked about the scariest place for Nashville in a humorous way I think it's very interesting and perhaps a little challenging for our typical listener because they may be used to hearing about Black issues from some of our colleagues that are doing excellent reporting on some of the very issues we came at. Uh, we've had a lot come out from Maribu Knight recently with the kids of Rutherford County. Yeah. Paige Flager has been reporting on um, incarceration in other parts of Tennessee, yeah. disproportionately affecting black and brown kids. So I would offer that it's a little bit interesting to me that that reporting, you know, they had a sold out audience at the Bell Court last night and some of the people that I imagine would have been in that audience are mad that black Nashvillians are discussing the same issue, but just in a different tone. That's just yeah, just that, going to throw that out every, there. That. Even though Halloween is long over, I'm sure we'll be reviving the This is Nashville black team one day soon. In the episodes we've listened back to today, you see three really different sides of me. I think it comes through my voice. Listening back to the scene I did for SAG after rally back in August, I sound stiff. Like I'm trying to sound like a real reporter with a real radio voice talking about real issues. I hear that same quality in my voice right now while I'm recording this. I think I sound more like myself in the yarn episode, out with the alpacas and the yarn shop owners. I don't know if I was more relaxed in the job, if I was taking myself less seriously or what. I do know that neither of these features sound like the version of me that's in the Halloween episode. And honestly, I'm not sure what it means that the episode that felt the most like me is the episode that caused the most trouble. I can assure you though, There's more where all of that came from in 2024. Thanks for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by me, Elizabeth Burton. Our board operator is Liv Lombardi. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcast. The conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at thisisnashville.org. Find us on Instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Elizabeth. We'll see you Monday, everybody, and be good to each other.